Hey, hey, hey. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp. Today with me, I have none other than Danny M. She is a firecracker, y'all. She has so many incredible things going for her. But let me start off by telling you who she is. She's the author of the book, Female Minority Report, host and creator of the Sisters Talk podcast. She is also the screenplay writer and director of the short film Nella. And it is available to watch at www.dmfilmingroup.com. But you know what? Who better can explain Danny than Danny M? So welcome, Danny. Hello, 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 everybody. And thank you so much, Genesis, for having me on your show this evening. Um, Genesis is not a stranger to me. We met sometime last year and actually we met years ago on LinkedIn. <laughs> and, yes. um, and she also contributed, Genesis contributed to my short film by connecting me with someone who played a major role in that film. And that's Miss Miss uh, Tyra uh, Jones, I believe is her last name. And please pardon me if I said your last name incorrectly. Don't charge it to my heart, okay? I've had a long week already and it's Wednesday. But yes, yes, um, I'm definitely honored to be on the show today. And I'm all of those things that Genesis just said. I created Sisters Talk Podcast. I think it was January of 2019, if I'm not mistaken. If not, it was January of 2020. I mean, the time just goes by. So pardon me. And a lot happened last year. Let me tell you. and We'll get into that later. Um, and also, yes, um, December of 2020, I released my first short film, Nella. And I can't wait to talk more about that. Um, I was super excited. I did everything on my own. I wrote the screenplay. I directed the film. I cast it for the film. Uh, I produced the film. You know, I did it all because I'm just the type of person that if I don't understand something, I like to do the research. And if I have true passion to do it, um, I'm going to go all in. You know, people that know me, they know if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And, uh, and I see, what am I missing out? Oh, my book. <laughs> I'm also an author of Female Minority Report. And that book, my oh my God, like I dug deep with that one. Um, that came from nothing but raw truth and experience working as a Black woman in corporate America for over a decade. So definitely put a lot of sweat, blood, and tears into that book. And I'm very proud of it. And I'm super, super proud for you, but you did not tell them what your professional experience is because I was like, ooh, this lady, she's intelligent and she's rocking out for all of those who look like us and those who are coming besides us in the STEM field. So go ahead and tell them what you do, Danny. Sure. So my, uh, my first degree is in physics. So I have an undergraduate degree in physics with a minor in mathematics. And I went to University of Texas at Arlington. So whoop, whoop. And um, yes, it wasn't UT Austin for people who are wondering, you know, everybody gets all excited about UT Austin, but Arlington is cool too. So shout out to Arlington, Texas. Um, I really enjoyed my studies there. It was fresh out of high school. So the environment was so different. The, the diversity was so rich, you know, and also just, you know, sitting in class and having professors that were first languages weren't English. It was, it was a challenge and physics was a challenge. So you just put it all in the same mixing bowl. And let me tell you countless nights of no sleep. Okay. But it was very much worth it. Um, I really went to undergraduate school 
to get an astronomy degree, but that particular university didn't offer it. So that's what made me go to physics because I had in high school, a teacher named Dr. Cornwall. And I always tell this story because I had the biggest crush on him in high school. <laughs> so while he's <laughs> teaching, I didn't even care about physics. Okay. I was just looking at him and, you know, he was doing all these equations step by step and I'm picking it all up because I'm really paying attention to him, you know, and I, and I'm very thankful for that because had it not been for that, I wouldn't be where I am today. You know, I wouldn't have the accolades that I have today. Um, so I went on from UT Arlington and I, I landed a job here in Houston, Texas in oil and gas and started out as a junior geophysicist. And I decided that, you know what? this place of employment isn't giving me what I need. You know, um, I was getting the money, no doubt. I was getting the time off, but I wasn't, I didn't see my career going anywhere. You know, I didn't have that mentorship, that support, you know, um, that drive, not because I personally didn't have it, but I just didn't have that support team, you know, that should be in place for new hires that are coming straight out of college you know and so and this is something that i i asked for i requested and it and it turned from a request to a demand it's still nothing you know so i decided to go back to school now this time i went back and i received my master's in aeronautical science with a concentration in space studies because again my original thought was i want to be an astronomer right uh, but that, that still didn't come to pass, but maybe who knows what lies in the future. Um, and so my intention with that degree was to go to NASA. Now, when I graduated in April of 2013, this was during the time that Obama was in office. He had just like slaughtered NASA. When I, when I say that, I mean, there was massive layoffs and they stopped the Constellation program for those space heads out there. You guys know what I'm talking about. I want to say maybe two thirds of the staff was laid off. And I remember going to visit NASA during that same year that I graduated because I was pumped up. Genesis, like I was like, oh, I'm going to be the next uh, astronaut or something. I'm going to do something amazing, you know. And when I went to visit, I met with Mrs. Jennifer Scott Williams. I just had her on the show about a month ago and she's the head of the International Space Station. And she's the one who gave me the tour at NASA. And she was like, all these rooms used to have people in them and now they're gone, you know, so my how the ties turn you know you just kind of have to go with the flow of society and what's happening around you so i had to stay in oil and gas and as i stayed i could just see the same patterns happening at every job that i went to i mean you know i went from graduating from my first job in oil and gas to the second job and it was like you know they started laying off people and now all the work was on me and i'm like i can't i can't do all of this work by myself and there was no increase in pay you know how it goes guys when the companies want to just, hey, we got to we gotta work you until we, you know, and that's no shade, right? You have to do, as a corporation, you have to do what you have to do. But I said, I'm out. <laughs> Let me go somewhere where I'm going to get paid when I'm away, you know? And so <laughs> I left that. The second company went to a third company. Now, that company, I must say, was probably one of the best experiences, but it was also some of the worst encounters, if that makes sense. Yeah. So there was a lot does. of growth. Yeah, it was a lot of growth there. But there were a lot of moments where you're just like, can I curse on your on your channel? You, you can drop. You can drop. I'll just say WTF. Yeah. I just had a lot of those what moments. What the fudge? <laughs> yeah. I had a lot of those moments. And I was just shocked that I'm like, so people really still think this way about Black people? Like, this is all I could think. You know, every day that I'm going to work, if I'm in a meeting, I'm interrupted. If I state my opinion about what we're working on and how we need to redirect the solution, 
it's ignored. And I'm just sitting here like, am I in the twilight zone or what? You know? And I mean, really, truly, it was a problem because, and I don't know how many people have encountered this as either people of color or even Anglo, uh, Caucasian people. I'm sure everyone has experienced this to some degree. But when it's every day or if it's weekly, that's too much, you know? And so um, I noticed that, you know, at that final company, I said, well, this is, this is bad. You know, I, I, I said immediately when I got there, I was like, I need to write a book, you know, but I was joking. I was joking at the time when everything reached ahead and I left that company and went on to another one, they were even worse. <laughs> and I was just like, you know what? Uh, what I mean by worse is that you could feel the tension when I walked in the room, you know, um, I was at a senior level and any suggestion that I gave, including pictorial images and evidence, it was completely ignored. Okay. And I'm not kidding. I'm telling you the truth. And I just was, I was really blown away by the, um, the disrespect, blatant disrespect. I was told by one, one peer that, well, they asked me, why was I there? Right out. Why was I there? So these are the type of encounters, you know, that I had. And I wrote about some of this. I actually didn't write about what I told you today on your show, but I, I wrote about a lot of previous instances of, you know, how some people make the black woman a museum or an exhibit. And it's like, can I touch your hair? And can I do this? No, because you don't want me to touch yours. Like I wouldn't even ask you to do that, you know, but I, I also did, taking to consideration that some of these people, right, that I'm working with or was working with, they had never seen Black people, right? They'd never been around us. It doesn't make it yeah. right. But I can understand why there's a question, why there's so much mystery to me. But it was annoying, to say the least. And I like how you gave the back end story because all of that is leading up into where we're going in the conversation. And for you listeners, as well as viewers, the title of this is FMR, which is Female Minority Report. But FMR, cut that BS because Danny is going to cut through all that BS because just like Danny M, I came from corporate America too, as well as oil and gas. So I could relate to what she's talking about, but I want to hear from Danny's perspective because her being a geophysicist, as well as her being an author, a screenwriter, a director, and all the incredible things, there's a lot of dimensions and layers you have to go through to get to where she is, but she didn't sleep on her gifts, her talents. She saw the purpose and she saw the drive and she not only did it for her, but she did it for her family. She did it for future generations to come and to show people this black woman right here, yes, I may be black on the outside, but honey, I'm going places in life. So that's what we're going to do. On this segment, we're cutting through the BS. We're cutting through the fluff. And Danny M is going to give us the real, raw, uncut truth. Because you know what? There's someone that needs to be shaken by her testimony so your chains can be broken. You can rise above those limitations. You can break down those barriers. And you know, if she can do it, you can do it too. But let's not get it twisted. Don't try to compare yourself to Danny because you got to run your own race. But how about looking for ways that you could compliment Danny and build partnerships with her? So Danny, on this journey, when you were writing the book, what made you name it Female Minority Report? That's a very good question. 
So I originally, I had the title Working While Black in America because I was just over it, Genesis. I was so over it. I was like, you know what? Like, I don't know anybody else's experience of another race, but honey, working while black, <laughs> it's a mess, especially when, when I say it's not all a mess, don't get me wrong. I mean, like I said, I, I cannot lie. I was paid very well, okay? There's no doubt. They tried to make up for it. They compensated in a, in a, in a financial way. However, there's no amount of money they can compensate for, you know, your respect, you know, for your integrity, for your mental sanity. Mental health is serious. And a lot of higher up professionals that are black, they suffer with a lot of depression and a lot of mental issues. And I won't say it's all due to uh, their work environment, but that does contribute to the low energy vibration. So it's important that we keep that in the front of our minds. So with that being said, um, that was the original title. And when I ran that past a couple of family members, they were like, uh-uh, I don't like that. Nope, 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 nope. Don't call it that. That's too, you're too straight out the gate. But that's who I am. You know, I'm a very much of a straight shooter. And, you know, some people can't take this. Some people need me with a little water. They need to dilute me a little bit. But I can't dilute myself because that's who I am. But what I did do <laughs> to compensate my family's, uh, you know, worries I changed it to female minority report because I'm a female. I'm considered a minority in this country and it's my report. It's my honest report on what I've seen in this country working as a geophysicist in corporate America. And I love how you listen to the feedback, but then you also did not allow the feedback to change who Danny is because you got to be you and you got to be authentically you because if not, who else is going to be? No one yes. else. There's no replicate of you. Each one of us was created uniquely and we're all masterpieces waiting, you know, to fulfill our true purpose so we could go on to the afterlife if you believe in the afterlife. Okay. But I like how you just said sometimes some people have to dilute you, but you know what? It's those people that choose to dilute you. You don't dilute yourself. If you got to turn up the heat and they can't handle it, they just got to get out the kitchen. Just, you know, be real. And I really do feel that everyone should live their life like that. No matter what, if you're black, white, purple, green, Chinese, it doesn't matter. Whoever you are, you always have to show up as that person, not what somebody else wants you to be. And I think sometimes we get it twisted. Sometimes we water ourselves down because we're afraid of how others may view us. But if we do that, we'll never reach our full potential. And that's one thing I do know for myself, even when I was in corporate America, you know, I was afraid to change my hair up, you know, because I was afraid people were going to be like, oh, you have a new hairstyle today. Can I touch your hair? And because they would do that. They, and, and for me, I was much younger then. Right. So for me, it was scary. It was weird. It was just it was a lot of feelings at once. And I don't think that those people were thinking that far you know it's almost a form of harassment when you start touching people and they didn't ask to be touched at work you know yeah I've had some comments made you know by men I'll just say that and they were inappropriate you know and that's when I should have gone to HR but I didn't I did it and I also didn't put it in the book but I'm just telling you sister to sister this, these are the types of behaviors. These are the type of things that happen. And I know it's not, it didn't just happen to me. You know what I mean? There's a lot of people that these type of things are happening to and nobody, they're just brushing it off or they're just saying, you know what? I don't want to say anything. I'm afraid to lose my job. But I had to tell an executive that I was not afraid to lose my job. 
there was a certain situation that came up and I got to save that so I can put it in part two. But <laughs> I let him know, you know, and sometimes because what, and this is why I let him know that Genesis, I'm not on your show to come off as a bad ASS, right? I'm only doing that for a second. You, I want to say the word real word, but I'm saying that. And I did say that to him to help him to realize his human side, right? Because sometimes we start making all this money and we start making, you know, I mean, money, money, right? I won't put out the numbers um, for privacy and safety reasons for him, even though I didn't mention a name, but you sometimes believe that you're bigger than God, that you're bigger than anyone else or that you're better than. And so it takes somebody, it takes a vessel, or maybe that was me, maybe I was the vessel that day, um, to let him know and to remind him that, honey, when you die and when I die, we both go under six feet. You can't take any of that money with you. Those were my exact words. And I mean that to this very day. And it applies to anybody that I come across. So that's one thing that I would say about anybody uh, that, that you know is higher up, executive level, making buku money. Don't think that you're better than the next person and don't treat anybody differently just because of your financial status. Because just as sure as you're making that money today, it could be gone tomorrow. Ooh, you better preach. And I could totally resonate where you're coming from because my dad used to say that to me all the time. Don't ever let somebody feel like they're better than you. And don't you ever feel like you're better than somebody because we're all created equally, no matter how we look. And so when you said that, it was like, my dad is like, with, right here with me, even though he's been, it'll be eight months this week. Um, and then one thing that he always said is the same ladder you go up is the same ladder you come back down. And I like the fact that you brought him back down to earth and you knocked him down because sometimes people sit on their high horse and they think their crap doesn't stink. But if nobody is calling them out on their crap and telling them that it smells like manure, then they think they're on cloud nine. Yep. And I'm getting kind of choked up because as you were talking and you were talking about the hair, the inappropriate comments, I've been through there because I remember the first time I ever got box braids. I think it was in 2019. And my coworkers, I was the only chocolate drop on my team. And they're like, can I touch it? And by the time I noticed their beady hands, their vanilla drop hands were caressing my head. And I had to remember I was in the workforce because I'm like, y'all, I'm half holy, but half hood. The Lord is still working on me. And I don't want to <laughs> slip, slip back to BC. And that's before Christ, y'all. <laughs> All I can say is, you know, I hope that the world can see that Genesis and I aren't just on here or just talking and trying to bash people who aren't of the black race. That's not the intent. In fact, that was nowhere close to the intent of Female Minority Report. My whole purpose in writing that book is to make people aware of what's going on, what's happening, what they may be doing to black people and not even realize that they're doing it. A lot of times we do things out of curiosity, out of fear, um, and we do it unconsciously. We don't even know that we're consciously offending somebody or making someone feel afraid or nervous or whatever other kind of negative emotion you can think of at work. So I wanna bring awareness to this type of issue that black people have had to deal with since the beginning of inception of this country. And now that we're in 2021, it's time that we change our mindsets because that's the only way that we're really going to attack this issue that I talk about in the book. So if you're white, I encourage you to go get my book Female Minority Report. It is available on Amazon, or you can go to my website to learn a little bit more about me, 
at femaleminorityreport.com. Uh, very easy to remember. It's the same name as the book, the URL. And um, I really do encourage white people, Asian people, um, any walk of life that is non-Black, I encourage you to get that book because it's going to give you better insight on how we view the way we're being treated, not only at the workplace, but in society as a whole, you know? Exactly. And I like the way you you brought that up because it is not to bash people, like you said. It's to educate, to inspire, and motivate people to see things from our lens. Because if you don't see it from the lens of somebody that does not look like you, then ignorance is bliss and you're constantly going to repeat these same actions that you've been taking. And those actions, all that's going to do is cause you to look bad and to cause tension between you and another race because you're allowing your ignorance your unconscious biases and your perceptions to get the best of you that you're not even taking time to get to know the individual for who they are internally past the external appearance and with the female minority report while you were writing it were there any hard seasons that you went through while writing the book? Because when you're writing, you tend to kind of relive the experiences because you got to put it in the book and you don't want to just put it on a cookie cutter platter. You want to give it that real truth. So how right. was your process of writing the book and what was I your hardest thing? Right. I definitely tiptoe, like I said, because I wanted to leave space for part two, part three, part four. Um, it was kind of a soft opening, so to speak. But with each edition that I come out with, it's going to be a little bit more raw, a little bit more uncut to let you know that um, this is real. This is still a real issue out here. People still classify Black people as minorities when I'm not sure if that's statistically the case anymore. Um, I would have to do the research on it. Uh, but I will say this, um, I definitely went through challenges writing the book. The initial feeling that I felt was, oh my God, what are they going to think? You know, and I, when I say they, I'm talking about the people that I used to work with. <laughs> like, are they going to try to identify which character is them? You know, things like that. And of course, um, I didn't name anybody for privacy uh, reasons, for lawful reasons. On top, That's number one. Uh, but I will say that was the initial thought process. And I was also thinking like, well, um, how's this going to affect me long term, you know? But then I reached a point in my life where I was like, who cares? You know, this is my truth and people need to hear my truth. And so I can't worry about all of that. All I can do, and it goes back to what we were saying earlier, is that all I can do is just be who I really am. And who I really am is a person that speaks up for myself. I take up for myself and I take up for other people who can't do the same thing. You know, that's who I am. And, I, and I'm not going to change for anybody or any corporation. And people know that whoever hires me, they know, oh, I've seen your stuff. I know who you are, Danielle. Welcome on board. You know, and in nine times out of 10 or 10 times out of 10, these corporations are completely in for inclusion and diversity because they know what I stand on, you know, and I feel that it's so important with these corporations that they hire people that they know support the same, they have that they're in alignment with their policies and their goals, right? And their purpose. And I'll say that when I was writing this book, um, I think I, I, finished writing everything and got it finished by my birthday, which was August 3rd, right, of 2020. But I didn't officially publish the book and have a book release party until September 26th. During that time frame, I lost my cousin. She was my best friend. You know, like I, we grew up together. I've been, I remember playing with her when I was six years old, you know? So going from 
you know, childhood memories, knowing each other, growing up, spending almost every other day with each other, spending summers with each other to growing older. We both moved to Houston. It's so ironic how God works. And then now we're growing up and our children were growing up together and then losing her right at my pivot point where I'm no longer in oil and gas. And I'm now coming out with the truth, you know, like this was a very proud moment for for me. And I knew that she would be proud of me as well. And there were a lot of business ventures that I wanted to take with her. Sisters Talk was actually originated because of her. And I will talk about that later. But um, that was devastating to lose her just two weeks prior to the book release. And to say that it wasn't hard would be a complete lie. I mean, I'm surprised that I even made it to the book signing, it took, it's still taking time for me to fully accept it. You know, it's not, it's not easy. Um, And I haven't had someone that I've lost close, that close to me in a very, very long time. So it was, um, 2020 was a knockout. (laughs) It was a knockout for me. I'm not kidding. And I'm telling you, I've always been an upbeat, high spirited type of person. But I tell you one thing that 2020 really made me grow up, you know? Yeah, I was already grown, I already was married, had kids, but I mean, mentally, it, it helped me to see things totally different. And it wasn't so much as the fear of dying because we know that we're, that's something that you can't escape, right? There's no running from that, you know? But it's the fact that she left three kids behind. She wasn't even 40 yet, she was 39. And she was months away from her 40th birthday. And she went into the hospital a little bit after Mother's Day and never came out. I mean, when she did, it was it was for the funeral, you know. So uh, and, and due to COVID, we couldn't see her, you know. So there was just a lot of emotion during that book release. I, I You know, everyone couldn't even come to the book release because we were still dead into COVID. You know, it was a lot of things happening a lot of a lot of people were still afraid to get out so it was very lukewarm um and it was very um I don't know the word for it it just made me really contemplate about life and what I needed to get accomplished in my life before God takes me home you know and that may be the fuel behind my fire on all projects that I do really but that when that happened I was like wow I really need to consider what it is that I want to do hone in on that and make it happen. Wow. And I want to tell you again from, you know, a sister to a sister who not only lost my dad recently, but I also, like you, also had that cousin in my life that that we were super close. We were only three years apart and I lost her in 2015 due to her lupus battle. And just like you, it, it rocked me. It took me five years to really come to grips of losing her. And then now losing the second most important person to me, my dad, it was like a complete blow. So when you talk about like trying to come to grips you talk about, you know, not really being able to really say all that you wanted to say, your peace, all of that. It is hard and people just don't understand. I'm sure you've heard it. People say, oh, with time heals, she's in a better place. They say all these cliche things, but until you have been where I've been, you can't 
go, you can't imagine or fathom how I feel and how the grief, how the remorse, how the anger, because there's so many mixed emotions that encompass the grief journey. But I want to yes. tell you that, you know, while you're still here and you're still breathing, it's because God is still using you to birth that purpose in and through you. And you still have work to do. And even though she's not here with you, she's up there looking down on you, smiling and giving you that fire that you need to continue to fuel your passion and live out your purpose fully. And yes, it sucks when that person leaves us, but what helped me is to learn not to be selfish and want that person here more than God wants them. Because obviously when God calls them home, obviously they have fulfilled their mission here on earth. Now they're in the spiritual realm doing other things and they're preparing the way. So whenever we get ready to ascend up there or wherever we go, for those of you listeners who may not may or may not believe in God, I just want you to know that try to focus on the now and the present and focus on how you're going to build your personal legacy, build your empire and lay a foundation for other people to follow suit behind you. And I love your fire. Um, Cause every time I talk to you, Danny, you're coming straight up out the gate. You still have a <laughs> smile despite, despite if things may be going wrong behind the scenes, you and your husband are doing a collab together. Y'all are yeah. doing relationship coaching y'all. I mean, Danny, she has her hands in a little bit of everything and yeah. she's not going to stop until she feels complete. And That's that probably, great. <laughs> won't be until you know God calls her home because as long as Danny M is breathing she's still gonna be moving grooving mm-hmm. and if she has to take a licking and keep on ticking that's what she's gonna do because she knows who she is and she knows the power that is inside of her that she needs yeah. to pour out so if she's keep if she keeps refueling who she is she can't keep it all to herself she gotta pour it out so she could help the world and help the people who are lost and broken souls. Yes. And I love what you said, because that's important, you know, that we don't selfishly hog what we're doing, you know, the gift that we think we have, you know, it's only given to us for a reason as to help other people. So that's so important. And I, I want everybody to know, and I want to echo what you said, that everybody has the ability to do whatever they put their minds to. You just have to have that, that tenacious spirit. You have to have that faith in yourself. And even for people who don't believe in God, I mean, you're still energy, however you want to view yourself. When you have faith in yourself, when you know who you are, when you meditate, just have those quiet times. You don't even have to give it a name. I said meditate, but just have time to yourself in your thoughts, right? When you do things like that, you're able to level up to rebuild spiritually or to to rebuild energetically, however you want to coin the term. It's all the same stuff. But as long as you're doing that, and as long as you're staying away from negative energy, right, or things that drain you, right? Like for me, um, there's certain things that drain me. Like right now, I, I was telling Genesis, I'm planning things that drains me <laughs> because I'm a perfectionist. So I'm like, oh, I got to make sure this is done. And I'm checking off things on a checklist and that's draining, but it's necessary in this particular case. But I would say in general, you know, know when to take breaks, uh, know how to not be so idealistic and more realistic. And that's something that I have taken away in the year of 2021 is that 
you can literally do any and everything, but you shouldn't be doing any and everything. You have to hone in and just do one thing at a time. You'll get it all done. You don't have to do everything at once. Uh, but that is something that I did learn this year. And I'm grateful. Now, I've learned a lot, honestly, uh, throughout this year. And as a as a resonance effect from 2020, moving into the years to come. So um, people, you know, just find out what it is that you're good at. Find out what it is that you're talented at. Capitalize on it if that's what you choose to do or show somebody else how to do it so that they can do it for their family, you know? And I think that it's important, especially as black people, that we support each other. Um, it doesn't take much. It's just the word of mouth is completely free, you know? Subscribing to Genesis YouTube channel is completely free. It's not costing you a dime. All you have to do is click the little red subscribe. That's it, you know? So I think that if we have absorb and adopt that mentality moving forward, especially black people, I think we'll be a lot better off. And I don't think that we would ever have to worry about anything because uh, some of the black people that I know are the most talented people that I've ever met in my life. And they are completely underrated and undermined in corporate America. But I do feel on the flip side of that coin that corporate America is starting to get it. They're waking up and they're hearing us finally Finally, after all these years. Now, it's not going to be an immediate change like we all hope and pray for, but it will be a gradual one. And I see it. It's changing already through policy, um, through the way we treat each other. Um, I'm noticing less tension, you know, uh, for the a few jobs that I have had since <laughs> that job in 2020. And, uh, you know, I appreciate that. But there's a long way to go. And what I mean by that is that I saw a video today of um, a politician in Alabama, he's in the courtroom and his name is, I'll find out what his name is. I think it's Timothy Grant, but let me just make sure. Timothy Bryant, that's his name. <sighs> On your show, I can't even say it, but let's just say that he said, we don't have any house ends in here, do we? He said that? He said that in the courtroom. House. So this is, and to my point, this is the reason why if you hear someone say, well, why did she make a book called Female Minority Report? Nobody cares. We know what Black people go through. No, you don't. You have no clue. You'll never know if you're not Black. You'll never know the level of disrespect that this entire society has for us unless you're a person of color. You know, it's so bad that you have some people that are from Latin countries um, that may not be necessarily of Black origin, but they do have some Black roots. They always say, hey, I'm not black, I'm Latino, I'm Latina. You know, they wanna, they wanna, you know, and it's okay. But that just lets you know how bad <laughs> black people are treated in this country. Um, you know, I'll give an example of how, and I don't wanna get too political, cause like I said, this is your platform, but I'm just throwing out the facts here. You know, you have people like Kamala Harris. Now I'm happy she's in that spot, don't get me wrong, right? But when they ask her about reparations for black people, which should have been owed to our ancestors, true enough, a lot of us don't deserve it, I agree. But if you're gonna talk about it, America, then devise a plan to give it to us. And it seems like every time that topic comes up, it just gets buried underneath the ground and we'll talk about, oh, we'll give them tax breaks for any families that make less than 100K. But if you're a family of four or more, what is $100,000 divided by five people? Exactly. And if you're and if you're if you're making less than that, well, all right. But what if you're making just a little bit more than that? Then you don't even qualify for that tax. If you're making one hundred and ten thousand dollars jointly for uh, husband and wife or whatever the circumstance is for the parents, you don't qualify for that tax break. So now what? 
<laughs> like make it make sense. So that's what I mean by it's like in my mind, the way I see things, it we never get a true fair like part or take in this country. It's always oh, I go to school, I get my degree, I find a job. But then you go to the job and you get disrespected and then you quit or you get laid off or whatever, or fired, <laughs> one of the three, and then you have to start all over again. So how is that fair? When there was a lot of people that I worked with for a fact, they didn't even have a single college degree. I could, re I could relate to that because one lady, she was getting, um, this was in my last role, I was underpaid by $20,000. She had no college degree, but they had her working over exports. And then she had got her degree, I, th I think before she had turned 40, and they immediately bumped up her CL and that's classification level. Whereas I had my degree since 2016, previous oil and gas experience from a smaller company before I went over to the Fortune 500 company. And how I found out that my pay was substantially lower than my colleagues was one day during a global trade regulations meeting that I planned and pulled together where they showed the CL level started at a CL level 21 through a 28. And I was a CL 15 doing the work of a professional. So you could see the big gap there as well as the pay disparity mm -hmm. and I was the only colored person on my team or as I learned from your guest on your show Jane Elliott she says brown we're not colored <laughs> like and she's right. <laughs> and you know I hate that we as a society because we're so brainwashed we always associate black with oh lower level thinking lower achieving lower pay you know lower living um standards it's crazy because we know full and well, right? That black people are awesome. They're amazing. Like our culture is so rich that other cultures are culture vultures of, upon our culture. Like they like our clothes. They like our weaves. They like, they like everything. They like our music. So how is it that you can enjoy the fruits of our labor, but you don't want us to enjoy a respectful life, a decent income, safety you know you can't love our culture without loving us and that's all i'm saying in female minority report it's asinine right it's impossible to do that but yet that's exactly what this country has been doing for 500 plus years mm -mm -mm. and it's like Oh my gosh, every time I hear somebody talk about it, it just does something to my stomach. It makes me uncomfortable. It makes me sick. It makes me just want to get up and go back to BC where I just want to cuss somebody out, but I'm trying to walk. <laughs> I'm trying to walk right with Jesus. You know, right. I'm trying to limit my, my cursing because ooh, back in the day, honey child, it was bad. I would just cuss you out and that, and that'll be your business. But <laughs> But, you know, I'm trying to get get better and, you know, grow to newer, newer heights and levels spiritually, mentally and physically. And it's hard whenever you see people that look like you who are constantly getting beaten down because somebody does not see their value. Exactly. And that individual, they're not holding their themselves up to a certain standard. So they're making it bad for the rest of us. And why do people have to articulate 
one person for an entire race. We are not the spokesperson <laughs> for the black population. But I, I think that's, but you know what? That's only going to change when we change our mindset about that too. Because I don't feel like just because one black person is acting up that represents us. I, I've never felt that way. I don't even understand that way of thinking because if that's the case, every every race is crazy because every race has done something wild. I mean, you remember that that whole like cult shootout in Waco, Texas? He was white. He thought he yeah. was Jesus. So if one person <laughs> represents the entire race, well, hell, oh, excuse my language, but you yeah. know, no. then what are we talking about right now? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just, that was crazy. Okay. That was years and years. That probably was before you were born, Genesis. I don't know what year you were born, but I'm telling you, that was the wildest thing probably that anybody had seen in the state of Texas. So, you know, and then we think about, like I said, this kind of mentality, though, it goes from slavery, beatings, rapings, killings to, oh, now we're going to set up laws and constitutions that's going to give you a little, bo- little bit of more space and leeway to be yeah. actually act like a human. And then guess what do you do? When we start building up these communities, Tulsa, Oklahoma, you know, Black Wall Street in general, and all these other little subtowns that they don't even mention in history, um, then you go and you... You burn them down to the ground. You attack these people that were minding their business. You had pharmacists, you had doctors, you had lawyers, you had surgeons, right? You had a black man who conducted the first open heart surgery. Come on and get off the gas. So stop playing with us and stop pretending as if we don't have the capacity. But you also have to understand the other dynamic of why things look the way they do, especially the way the media portrays us and had been hard in the early 90s and the late 90s, if you can recall, you had all of these, um, you had all these people who just wanted to create this negative image of, of African-Americans as a whole because they know exactly how great we are. We know how great we are. We knew how great we were. But for some reason, there was this innate fear. And I don't know what created that fear. I have, still don't know what it is to this day. But they, they have this, this innate fear and they've used the Bible against black people, whether people want to believe that or not, but you can do your own research. So there's a lot about our history and they try to divide even the history and call it black history. It's American. Are we not American people? So why are we saying black history? It's mm-hmm. American history. We literally, this country has been built on African Americans back, literally. And all anything and all everything that has ever been done to black people is just constant brutality, negative energy, negative connotations, negative mentalities and stereotypes, stigmas, you name it, it's been done. Our black men were called thugs for at least five years straight, I can recall, within the last decade. That's not okay. Just like it's not okay for Mr. Tommy or whatever his name is in Alabama to ask if there's any house ends in the courthouse in 2021. This is ridiculous. So if that was caught on camera, imagine all the things that are happening every day in corporate America. And nobody's saying anything about it out of fear of losing their benefits, in fear of losing their job, in fear of losing their reputation, in fear of letting their own self down. But what we have to realize and what I hope that I encourage somebody that's watching this show tonight to see is that you don't have to worry about what other people feel or think about you at all. You have to worry about how you feel inside, how your environment is making you feel, how your environment is affecting your personality, your mood, your emotions. If you're not in tune with that, with your inner self, with your inner God is what I call it, 
then you're failing yourself because you can make everybody else around you happy and you could be dying, literally dying on the inside. People don't realize how much stress can affect your health, right? Stress is a combination of anxiety, worry, depression, fear, all of these things, right? Inside of you. So if you're in an environment that's brewing that type of energy, I advise you to leave. And before you leave, you set up an exit strategy. I always tell my friends that are unhappy in their work environments, you set up a, an exit strategy, you execute and you get out of there. Because at the end of the day, I'm not letting any job kill me. And that's so real because when I was working for this particular oil and gas company, whenever I would kind of go to the ERG groups and try to talk to the people who look like me, a lot of them had similar stories, but they didn't want to share their stories outwardly for the same exact reasons you mentioned. They were afraid of losing their job, their good benefits and all these things. But what are you costing yourself in the long run by keeping all of that stuff inside and internalizing it? And you know what? I just said enough was enough and it was time to take my fingers to the phone because at the time I didn't have a laptop. So I wrote my entire first book on my cell phone. Wow. And, That's impressive. <laughs> and it's like stories like Danny M, stories like mine, as well as other people out here who who want to just bring you this information because we have been there, we have done that, and now we're outside of that cycle and we don't want you to go through what we went through. So we're trying to share our trials, our testimonies, so you won't have to repeat the same thing. And we know everybody's struggle and story is different, but you know what? You could get a glimpse of hope there. You could get some inspiration there, some encouragement there, and that will help you get on your way so you can be that successful man and woman we know you are. But it starts by believing in yourself taking a risk on you. If you could risk things on a lottery ticket, you could risk things on horse races, <laughs> you could one. risk things on, you know, betting squares for like sports and stuff like that. Why not risk things on yourself? Yes. Because you are yourself's most prized possession and you have to see yourself as a prize because if even you when other people don't that's exactly the thing. Mm -hmm. and as we wind down danny i want you to tell the listeners and viewers once again who you are how they could connect with you and talk a little bit about so, um sisters talk because that's an sure. incredible platform and you've had some amazing guests on there oh, thank awesome. you yeah, I was going to, so Sisters Talk LLC was inspired by my late cousin, Shanique with Douglas Williams. Girl, I miss you so much. And uh, we were in Vegas and we were talking about just, yeah, I was out there for like business. I was trying to look, looking for another job is what I was doing. And, but it, that business didn't fall through because of funding. He didn't get, he didn't get funding because he was black. But anyway, that's a whole nother topic for another day. Uh, so we were out there for that reason. And I brought her with me because again, she had been battling cancer at that time for six years straight. So I wanted her to get out, have some fun, you know, and I hated that. I didn't, I didn't get a chance to gamble and have fun. Sorry, Christians. I, I wanted to gamble. I ain't gonna lie to you, but I didn't get a chance to. The Lord said no. So, so um, I didn't get a chance to do it with her, but she had an amazing time. 
We stayed at a very nice hotel. You know, we ate good. You know, we talked, we bonded just like sisters. And she was telling me that she felt like she only had three, maybe four more years to live. And I told her, you know, in that moment, and it was horrible. I mean, to, to see her feel and think that way, you know, it just, it really tore me down. And I, but I didn't cry because I wanted to stay strong for her. And I told her, we just need a platform for you to get your story out, to talk about it, to vent. You know, she went through a very tumultuous relationship while trying to battle cancer. And she ended up getting her divorce, I believe in 2018, if I'm not mistaken. So you just think about it. You know, you're trying to, you're doing chemo. You're trying to stay alive. You're trying to take care of your family. Now you're getting a divorce, you know? And it was just, it was a mess. I can't, I can't even describe it any other way. It was a hot mess. And I told her, I was like, we're going to, we're going to do whatever we can, whatever we can do to try to lift your spirits and get you back to the old you. But here's the thing about that, right? I'm not God, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I'm also, I wasn't, I could not, let me rephrase it. I couldn't tell her what was best for her because she was a grown woman, right? And so a lot of times we get caught up trying to save people, right? In a sense, we don't realize that we're doing it, but we're trying to save people. But it's ultimately up to them which way they want to go, right? And that's when it that's when it's important for them to tap back into their inner God and ask themselves, is this circumstance right for me? Is this person right for me, right? Me and my husband, we have these type of conversations all the time about each other. Like, you know, what are you bringing to the table? What are you bringing to the table, right? And we have serious conversations, you know, about this because we want to make sure, because one thing about me, they say marriage should be forever. But as we can see with the society that we live in today, people are ever changing, evolving, changing their mind about different things. It can't, whether it's within the same sex or the, or the I mean, hey, I'm just saying, right? Because we're in a new age, we're in a new time. So um, I like to be realistic about everything that I do in my life. And so I found myself trying to save her. But if I, if somebody asked me, would I do it again? My answer would be yes, <laughs> because that's how much I loved her. But I had to realize something in order to let go of that guilty feeling that I felt after she passed is that I can only do what I can do, right? I created this beautiful platform for her and she utilized it. She did. She was able to go to our event in Dallas. We had uh, conversations with the Twist Tools for Dating and it sold out. Oh, so wow. we did our thing. And I and I thank God for allowing her to, to do that with me. You know what I'm saying? But at the end of it all, she did. She had to go back to him. And I'm okay with that. I don't have a choice but to be. Uh, but with that being said, that's how Sisters Talk was, was birthed. And I said, let's do a podcast. But she couldn't attend the podcast because she was doing chemo. So that's when I, I got a, another co-host on. And I've gone through two co-hosts already because what? they've now gone on and, and started their businesses and expanded. So kudos to those sisters. And uh, I just, I'm grateful to be able to be around dynamic queens, right? At the inception of what they're starting, right? Um, as I know, some people are just passerbys to help you to get where you need to be. So I'm grateful for everybody that I've ever had on my shows, you know, during events, because that's what it's all about. And that's the reason why I created Sisters Talk. You know, um, I started it out because I wanted to educate the community about small business, about uh, opportunities that we may not know that our community is offering. You know, you, there may be a small business down the road you don't know anything about because maybe they don't have money for marketing. And so that's where Sisters Talk comes in, right? 
So people who have small businesses, holla at you, girl. I love to bring on new and exciting businesses that I don't know about because I'm educating myself as well. Financial literacy. I feel that if they were to teach black people, because they're teaching the white kids, if they were to teach the black kids in the hood, right? Um, financial literacy at the same rate that they teach everything else, you know, basic English history, math, things like that. They teach us math, but they don't teach us how to apply the math, right? So if they were to spend a little bit more time in that arena, and also if the parents were educated in that area, it would help us significantly as a people. Uh, we would be able to invest wisely. You know, we would be able to invest without fear. A lot of my investments that I made years ago was out of straight fear. I didn't know what I was doing, but I figured it out. But I feel that we all have to start jumping off the cliff. I don't mean a physical cliff for somebody who's taking me literal. Jump off the, the cliff of fear is what I mean. Do things that you are normally afraid to do. And if you fail, oh, well, don't invest $5,000, invest 50. You know, invest something that you know, if you lose it, it's okay. You know, so that's that's the reason why I created Sisters Talk LLC and Sisters Talk Podcast. And also, last thing I'll touch on is um, Nella, the short film Nella. So ever since I was a little girl, I always <laughs> wanted to create a short film, and I and not short film, but a movie, a whole full fledged movie. So I'm still not, I still I'm not fulfilled yet, <laughs> but <laughs> I always wanted to do that, and I had no idea what I wanted to make the movie about. I just wanted to make a movie. And so something just told me when I was off and away from oil and gas and I didn't have nothing but free time and space and opportunity, I said, you know, and I started it actually in 2019. This is before COVID hit and everything. I was like, I really want to make this movie. I just, girl, at this point, I was just trying anything to get me out, okay? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Lord said, it shall be done. Anyway, so a few <laughs> months later, it was done. So I was able to cast. I was able to start filming. And things didn't come out exactly the way I wanted it to. The quality didn't come out the way I felt it could have come out because I didn't know what I was doing. But the point was, I did it. So now I have a copy and evidence and proof of what I can do. So when I decide to go back and redo, baby, you can't tell me nothing. Mm, I like that. So you learned what you wanted to know about, you know, um, filming and everything. And you have, you know, the evidence is in the pudding. And now you can just pass that down exactly. to your girls and show them, hey, this is what mommy did. Like, and you right. know, mommy just, she didn't stop here. And it would be so cool. Like my if oldest, you she doesn't care. You know, I'm not cool to the teenager. She's like, okay, you made a movie. Whoop-de-doo. Yay, mom. <laughs> and I was like, what? If my mom did this, I would be ecstatic. Not her. Because, you know, they have TikTok. They have all this stuff. Like, mm -hmm. girl, please. I'm... <laughs> she was like, yo, well, mom, I think you need to get a better camera. <laughs> that's, the, that's, that's what I got. But all in all, I, I do believe she is proud of me, just like I am of her. And um, I, of anything, do all of this because I just had to prove to my kids that you can't allow anybody to tell you what you can't do. You can do any and everything that you put your heart into, that you put your mind into. Always keep your faith, always grind hard and outshine everybody else and don't look back. That's my that's my vote of advice to anybody that's listening to this show today. It doesn't matter what color you are, but especially to my black people because we unfortunately do have it a lot rougher than the rest. I don't care what anybody says, I'm speaking from my own experience. 
And there you have it, listeners and viewers of Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp. You just heard none other than Danny M here, and she was straight out the gate, and we had her really cut the BS, and that's why it's called Female Minority Report, and also known as FMR, Cut That BS. So until we chat next time. Might be the title of my next book. (laughs) (laughs) Take that, Genesis. <laughs> hey, you know what? It's it's your baby. It's your gift. You know, I'm here to inspire, motivate, and encourage people. So until we chat next time, listeners and viewers, I want to sign out with peace, love, and lots of blessings. <laughs>